Welcome to the Mosh Zone, Episode 8, Volume 8, Week 8, Number 8. Big show this week, exciting show this week. We've got all the latest in the Mosh news. We've got Mosh reviews, and I had a great chat, great sit-down opportunity with Tom of Sydney Riffmasters Bare Bones. That's coming up later in the show. Let's kick off the Mosh news. Mosh News this week has been pretty slow, to be honest. Not a lot has been going on, so we're not really going to touch on it this week. We're going to kind of skip over it this week. We are going to mention that there was a new Mosh video released by Iron Reagan for their song Take the Fall. It's a skateboarding, motorcycle riding, skeleton nuns. Yep, all of that is in the music video. You've got to check that out. There was a new brutal video released by Ingested. The Slam Legends of England are back with a new album soon and they've dropped a new music video. We also had news of a new Pennywise album called Never Gonna Die. The skate punk icons of the scene are back with their 12th album. We've got all the details of that on our website. And Trivium dropped a new music video for Beyond Oblivion. All of our Mosh news, as always, is on our website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Of course, you can also keep up to date by signing up through the website. You can also keep up to date by connecting and liking and following all of our social medias. We are, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of them are at The Mosh Zone. Make sure you follow those pages. You can keep up to date. We let you know when we know. So now it's time for Mosh Reviews. First album up this week is the new album by Andrew WK called You're Not Alone, out now on Sony Music. Andrew WK is, of course, the man that is known for the party-hard rock and roll punk tunes that he releases. He did release I Get Wet a long time ago now. It was released in 2001, so it's 17 years ago the man burst onto the scene. That album was so infectious, I couldn't get enough of it at the time, fresh out of high school. It's all I really listened to for about six months to a year. Absolutely intoxicating sound. It was so catchy, so vibrant. It just made you want to have a good time, and I couldn't get enough of the guy. Then he unfortunately kind of disappeared. It felt like the gimmick he had wasn't really working anymore. He did release a follow-up album called The Wolf in 2003, but it didn't really quite strike a chord, not only with myself, but with audiences. So he kind of slipped into the oblivion. Now he has returned with You're Not Alone. Andrew WK, I do feel at times, has been the butt of jokes, which I don't think is fair. I think people aren't understanding what he's doing. He's underappreciated and very misunderstood. I do think the man is a genius. He knows what he's doing. He knows the persona he wants to give off. He knows the image he wants to portray. On the surface, you can understand why people maybe don't really take the guy serious because he's dirty looking. He looks like a frat boy bouncing around, shouting party lyrics at you. But if you look past that, there is definitely a lot more to this than just satire. He has good intentions And it's all about having a good time. One of the honest things, though, is that it is tough to replicate a new album in 2018 with the same style he had back in 2001. 
there is some musical diversity on You're Not Alone, but let's get it right. He's not jumping around genres. He's not a wizard of the musical game, but there are some U-turns. There is some non-one-dimensional songs going on here. Andrew W.K. proves one thing for certain with this album. He has always still had the same vision. The bombastic opener track of the album, The Power of Partying, has the same effect that you expect when a movie starts. It builds everything up. It's getting ready to kick things off. It's building anticipation. The album is 52 minutes long. Songs like Music's Worth Living For and Party Mindset contain all the overdose that you expect from this music. There's there's sugary electronics, cheerful melodies, glittery sounding guitar work and keyboards and over-the-top falsetto backing vocals that just make you remember what it's like to be alive in a pop rock song. Unfortunately, there are moments that feel horribly cringy and oddly weird. And these are the songs that are interludes. He has a knack on this album of throwing in interludes. Things like the track called The Feeling of Being Alive or Confusion of Clarity. He offers a breather from all the music with suddenly a spoken word track. He's taken those memes that he became famous for and is suddenly spouting this knowledge or apparent knowledge to you and doesn't feel needed. It feels weird and it's automatically a skip track for me. I don't need this level of showmanship that doesn't feel sincere. It feels fake. If you're going to go into this album with expectations of an I Get Wet Volume 2, you're going to feel let down. If you're going into this album thinking, I hate Andrew WK, it's going to solidify that. If you go in with an open mind, you'll find a few songs and grab onto them and go, yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. At times, Andrew WK feels like a 2018 meatloaf. And you can take that as you feel because there's big ballad influences, theatrical melancholy, guitar solos, walls of keyboards, and a fun-loving vibe. Yes, there's nothing cutting edge here, and I don't think there really ever has been with Andrew W.K., but it's entertaining. Half the charm that he had in 2001 to 2003 is still there. But at times, it wanes on you and feels like it's overstaying its welcome. It is really hard to pinpoint and have a go at a guy like Andrew WK who is doing it for a good time. There is some honesty going on here. But the other side of the coin is it does feel overly bloated. It does feel a bit too much. It is an album that's worth an individual listen every now and then. Or the kind of album where you figure out the songs you like, keep them on your phone, and forget about the rest. You're Not Alone is Andrew WK doing what he does. Whether it's still relevant in 2018 is going to be interesting to see. He sticks to his guns. He does what he does. It's for fans of Andrew WK. It's for fans of synth pop rock. It's for fans of candy-coated anthems, big melodies, big sing-alongs.
If you liked previous Andrew WK, you're going to like this. If you didn't like previous Andrew WK, you're not going to like this. I think it's okay. I just feel like in parts it overstays its welcome. It doesn't quite hit the nail. Some songs feel like they were B-sides. Some songs feel like they were there to be powerful. Ever again, the single is outstanding. Music is worth living for is outstanding. But then that is pretty much it for me. That album is Andrew WK's new one. It's called You're Not Alone. It is out now on Sony Music. And I give it a 6 out of 10. Next up for review is the debut album by Cold Ground called Destroy the Illusion of Peace, out now independently. This is the debut album, like I said, for the Melbourne hardcore punk boys, and it's time for them to step up to the plate and finally deliver this first album. This album really surprised me. I went in with no no expectations but came out loving it. It's got a very punk hardcore groove to it at times it feels like propaganda and strung out are having a makeout session with Madball. it has the ability to switch up from a punky jump to a crushing headbanging hardcore riff the circle pit breakdowns are felt often and frequently songs like remember me really kick things off and kick it into your face Musically, this band offers you everything you should need as a fan of punk or hardcore and has everything a heavy music fan could need and should need. Slamming drums with intricate fills and cymbal crashes at the perfect moments just as the breakdown hits. Booming thick bass sound perfect in this punk sound. Guitars create a wall of riffs. Melodic moments stand out crushing riffs when they need to be, frantic and fast when they need to be. The vocals deliver a lot of variety and a lot of melody. There is a bark and a scream, there's a cleans, there's yells. The places when the vocals change work perfectly with the background music. Just when you think you know where the song's headed, it deviates and turns, not only through the music, but especially through the vocals. It keeps you on the edge of your feet. It keeps you guessing at times. The melodies and phrases spat at you and screamed at you are catchy, and they almost instantly stick in your head and stay with you for the rest of the day. You find yourself almost humming along. Even though you don't 100% know the lyrics, you feel you know the lyrics. And that's something that's very unique nowadays, not only in this style of music, but in music general. For an underground, unsigned band, the production is very top-notch. It's slick, very polished, and sounds great for a hardcore punk band. There is a negative that, if I have to give one, is that the music doesn't necessarily break any grounds. We have heard this music before, but as soon as I say that, you haven't heard it sound fresh. It sounds fresh. It doesn't sound tired. That's the thing. Some bands can sound tired doing this sound. Cold ground make it sound fresh as fuck. There is variety throughout. There is a bit going on. Every song is a bit different. There is the variety that you need. I never felt bored and I never felt like I was getting more of the same. 
It is for fans of Strung Out, Propagandy, Madball, Wisdom in Chains. It's for fans of punky hardcore jams that love their infectious grooves and infectious vocal melodies. It's for fans of energetic riffs, pit-ready pace, fans who want to follow the underdog, follow the underground, and support a hard-working, as-real-as-it-gets band. Cold Ground are your band to back before they break the big time. This album we're talking about, of course, is the new album, the debut album by Cold Ground. It is called Destroy the Illusion of Peace. It's out now independently. You can find it on iTunes, Bandcamp, and Spotify. As we always say, support your local bands, support your independent bands. Buy the merch, get their music, support these guys, give them the push they need. I think Cold Ground have the potential here to make the next step. It's now up to everyone else to start getting behind them. These guys work hard. They've been working hard for a long time. And finally, they've got the debut album and the rewards are just. We give it an 8 out of 10. Next album up for review is part one of iValiance's new album, Out Now Independently. iValiance... Uh, of course, the Melbourne Deathcore, experimental Deathcore, if you will, band that have been going for a while. They released in 2015 what many called a groundbreaking Deathcore classic called The Reject of Humanity. At the time, that album really broke them and made them go places. Unfortunately, at the same time, they went a bit quiet because Mark, their vocalist, left to join a version's crown. Mark has come back to iValiance. He's come back with his boys and he's back in form. An interesting side note is he hasn't left a version's crown. He is going to be doing both simultaneously. iValiance have been building over the last month or so, they've been building a little bit of a social media campaign, bringing a bit of intrigue and tease to what's been going on. This Part one is only four tracks, but apparently we're going to have three parts spread out this year that will culminate into being a whole album. So technically, we're going to call this Part One EP. This deathcore sound, as we've said in previous weeks with previous albums or EPs we've reviewed, can feel stale in the current climate of music, can feel oversaturated, and can feel very samey. iValiance are a band that are not any of those things. iValiance have always stood apart from the crowd and have always made sure that they're different from the rest. This four-track EP very much grabs my attention, very much made me want to listen more and more. There's some very heavy moments, some brutal as fuck moments, but then there's some very experimental uh, Mr. Bungle at times moments where it goes clown sounding. There's new metal influences. There's rage and riffage and dynamics, and it's experimental. You feel like the guys don't feel like there's any shackles holding them back, and they're just going to go for it, and what they've done is gone for it and knocked it out of the park. There's even a rap line or two from Mark in the song I Am Free, which of course they also released as a music video. It's the kind of EP that you need to experience and you need to put your headphones on and switch off the outside world and just find yourself drawn to what's going on. For a band that have disappeared and weren't here for so long, 
and to come back with this kind of EP that's sounding so filthy, disgusting, evil, electronic, unclean, but refreshing. They're a band that hopefully now have their shit sorted out and go forward from here. I'm going to be very excited to see what's ahead for iValiance. I'm going to be very excited to hear part two and part three. But I'm also excited to know what they're going to do in a live setting now. Obviously, if Mark's pulling dual duties and a version's crown are touring overseas a lot, I wonder what they're going to do here. Hopefully, iValiance start to get some more attention. Hopefully, get more fans on board. And hopefully, this band can start pushing forward. If you want to get this album, get on iTunes, get on Bandcamp, get on Spotify, support the boys, get part one. If you liked The Reject of Humanity, you're going to love this. This is one of the most exciting releases in Deathcore for as long as I can remember, to be honest. It's very exciting. It's a breath of fresh air. It's for fans of Deathcore. It's for fans of new Metal. It's for fans of experimental Deathcore. It's for fans of big riffs, dirty breakdowns, vicious vocals. The album we are talking about is part one. It is from iValiance. It is out now online. Make sure you search for it. Make sure you grab yourself a copy. We give it an 8 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the split album delivered from Iron Reagan and Gatekeeper. Out now through Relapse Records. Iron Reagan, of course, are the crossover thrash kings of the scene. And Gatekeeper are a terrifying death metal pulverating sound. It's very weird to think that two complete opposites can sit on the same release and work in harmony. But it works perfectly. Iron Reagan are known for being wild as fuck always having a good time and perfectly blending their thrash punk hardcore roots. Gatekeeper, on the other hand, are known for bringing forward darkness, gutturals, vicious instrumentation, and they are insane and nerve-wracking adrenaline that just knocks you about for six. At times you don't know what's going on with Gatekeeper. This split EP is allowing both bands to not only push their pure excitement but their brutality towards us and mixing it together. It will bring fans of either genre to the game and then hopefully draw fans to each other. Eight new songs on this, five from Iron Reagan, three from Gatekeeper. This is amazing. I couldn't get enough of this. Iron Reagan opened the split with rampant, straight-in-your-face thrash. It is straightforward in structure, but it is an amazing example of the fun this band creates. It's balls-to-the-walls crossover, rampant riffage jams. It's catchy in its rhythm, and it leaves you almost instantly headbanging along. The next song, Paper Shredder, picks up the pace even more, makes you grab yourself and go forward, tosses in a breakneck guitar solo, frenzied drumming patterns, and it all sounds like it's going into a metal grinder as the guitars are tearing with ferocity. It is upbeat and entertaining vibe, as always, from Iron Reagan. Then the next song is Take the Fall, which they recently released a music video for, unleashes the same crushing presentation song continues to be heavy catchy groovy 
The song Proudly Uncountable is the shortest, but it follows the same pattern. And Burn For This is the song that, without a doubt, faithfully reminds all the crossover thrash hardcore fans that this is what Iron Reagan do. There is variety in the guitar tones. They're switching up the flow in tempo and feel. Iron Reagan, on their tracks of this split album, have done a phenomenal job. Amazing delivery of adrenaline, riffage, crossover jams that's fun, entertaining and headbanging. The other half of the split is taken up, as we said, by Gatekeeper. Their absolutely bombastic, sinister death metal is all over this, dripping with vile feelings. Daybreak is a bit of an instrumental song that builds the tension for the next two. Dead Inside is shredding guitars and bombastic, ballistic drumming. The vocals are murky and guttural, darkened, dreaded inside this mix. The song progresses and the instrumentation feeds into a sense of fear and panic. The bass hangs and murks over all of this material. The drumming and guitar work, as I said, it is electrifying and infectious and it feeds off the madness that the vocals feel. The last song of Gatekeepers on the split is War Has Begun and it arrives with a relentless delivery of the drumming. It just comes in mashing you in the face. It's a roaring heat wave of devastation coming at you. The guitars continue to play around and create a hysteria and panic and somber nature. Every part of the band comes together and creates a horror feeling that works perfectly. Gatekeeper undoubtedly know how to mix the pummeling and the frightening with their death metal. And they do so perfectly on this split release. This is a release that has two stellar bands in their genres of the game coming together and mixing it up. Iron Reagan bring all the thrash feels, all the funs. Gatekeeper bring all the death metal annihilation and all the scare. They work in unison beautifully and they've unleashed a delightful blend of insanity and fun. There's plenty on this release to keep fans of either band happy. It honours both bands and not one band feels like it's outplayed or played better than the other. It's for fans of thrash crossover, big jams, fun jams, headbanging jams. It's for fans of brutality, death metal. It's for fans of Iron Reagan. It's fans of Gatekeeper. It is amazing. We highly recommend this. If you're a fan of death metal, get into this. If you're a fan of Iron Reagan, get into this. If you're a fan of thrash, get into this. Fan of death metal, get into this. If you haven't heard these bands yet, get into this. You will not be disappointed. It offers fans of any kind of genre that's played a bit of everything. We give it an 8.5 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews, all done and dusted this week. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with our reviews? Do you disagree with our reviews? Is there an album you know that we haven't reviewed yet that you'd like us to review? Are you in a band and have you got an album coming out that you want reviewed? Hit us up with an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. Hit us up on our website, themoshzone.com. Hit us up 
on our social medias at The Mosh Zone. Let's grow this Mosh Zone community. Get in touch. Coming up now in the show is the chat I had with Tom of Bare Bones, the Sydney Riff Lords themselves. Really appreciated getting the chance to sit down and have a chat to Tom. Bare Bones are without a doubt one of my favourite Australian bands going around at the moment. They're a band I believe should be massive and they're starting to get the shows that should make them massive. That interview is coming up now. So we'll start off with... um, what age were you when you really discovered the heavier side of music, the guitar-driven side of music? Yeah, man, uh, I can tell you exactly what it is. Uh, I was 11 years old, and my dad took me to see ACDC on the Stiff Upper Lip Tour in Sydney. Oh, so was that the moment? <laughs> and uh, that was it for me, man. I fucking changed everything. I uh, became obsessed with guitar, I became obsessed with music. Um. I just thought it was the coolest, most impressive, amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life, and that nothing else really like caught my attention in that same way. Now, was what was the first album you bought with your own money? If ACDC was like the real experience, was it? Did you go back into the catalogue of Akadaka, or was it something else? Um, well, I guess like my dad already had all those records, um, like on CD in the car and everything, so. Um, I didn't really go down that path sort of buying ACDC albums for myself. Um, I think I definitely remember the first single I ever bought, which was uh, Ugly Kid Joe's cover of Cats in the Cradle. Oh, <laughs> old school, yeah. Yeah, um, from Sandy's Music down in DY. Um, so I know that was the first single that I bought with my own money. In terms of a, of a full-length album... Um, I think, now I can't be sure of this, but I think it was Reload by Metallica. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Controversial choice. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> now, was, you said you really discovered guitars, so did you pick up an instrument at first? Yeah, so I had a, an older cousin, um, that played guitar. Uh, he was in a punk band probably when I was about, uh, probably around that same time that I saw ACDC, so when I was about like 10 or 11 years old, he was in a punk band uh, on the Gold Coast, and they were called the Racist Muslims. Um, (laughs) And so uh, I remember like my whole family just thinking that name was totally disgusting, so obviously I thought it was awesome, and um, I just super looked up to him, and yeah, he had a bunch of guitars, obviously, sort of started teaching me just some basic shit, like the stuff everyone starts off with, you know, smells like teen spirit and that kind of stuff. Um, so I just jammed with him. And then I remember he, he gave me one of his guitars. It was an old Ibanez. Um, so he gave me that guitar and like an amp and a bunch of pedals and stuff. And I would just spend all my time just playing that guitar for, for every hour after school and on the weekends and stuff. And like, Never had any real lessons. I, to be honest, I really wasn't very good, but um, I just I loved it, man. And nothing else like I'd played sport and all kinds of shit up until that point, but nothing else kind of connected with me as much as the guitar and music did. What about what about guitar and the heavier side of music brought you in? Was it the the rebellious side of it? Was it the attitude? What about it drew you in? Um, yeah, it was the the rebellious 
side of it. Definitely in uh, with ACDC, it was the spectacle. Um, mm-hmm. that, that live show, those cannons on stage and the fucking big inflatable hole at a rosy chick and Angus dressed up like a school kid with devil horns on, just going mental. Um, it was the imagery, it was the sound, it was how loud it was, it was the rebelliousness, it was something that at the time I could do on my own in my room, just playing guitar and get lost in it. Um, and then obviously, you know, when, when things like your first band happen, you realize that connection that you have with other people with playing music. That was obviously uh, like a huge draw for me as well. But I think that, that uh, yeah, ACDC and just that heavy music, from that I discovered from that, it like had a, a much bigger impact on me than, you know, say stuff like Rod Stewart or Mariah Carey or whatever my mom was listening to, you know, it just didn't have the same kind of impact. And I mean, being 10 or 11, like it was hard to process at the time, but in retrospect, yeah, I'd say definitely it, it would be just the spectacle and the feeling that I got from, from being punched in the face by ACDC, you know. <laughs> So Phil Collins didn't draw you in that much. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you said start a band. So I'm I'm assuming obviously Bare Bones wasn't the first band you were in. Uh, so Bare Bones was kind of the, the first thing that I ever did. Like, it was. In a, in a serious manner. Okay. Um, now, how did you transition suddenly to being the vocalist? Yeah, so I had, like, when I was a kid, I had a bunch of bands that I would play in, um, like, guitar and bass and that kind of thing. Um, and they always did, like, backing vocals and that kind of thing. So I had, like, a band that did the whole, like, 90s punk thing. It was just super no effects and Pennywise kind of influenced. And then had, like, a metal band where it was very much like Metallica, Iron Maiden, Lamb of God, that kind of thing. Um, and like, I, I love playing guitar and I loved playing bass in the band, but no one I really knew was like passionate about singers. And I, I had always looked up to, yeah, guitarists, but like I love James Hetfield for his voice as much as I love him for his guitar playing. And um, like Bon Scott and Brian Johnson from ACDC were the dudes that stuck out to me even more than Angus, you know? So I'd always had this affinity for singers and been surrounded by musicians, but never really surrounded by any singers or or vocalists. And I just had always kind of had the, the flair for, for like performing as well and, and uh, being the front man and, and talking to people and that kind of thing. And so I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to give, I'm going to give singing a try and, and, and I wanted to, to give being the front man a try and all that kind of shit. So, um, I kind of discovered my voice like a few years before joining Bare Bones, just singing along to music and and jamming with myself kind of thing. Um, and briefly, I had a band with some friends and we recorded a few songs and played like, I think, like maybe three or four shows, but not again, nothing serious. Um, and then I kind of found myself without a band uh, JD, the guitarist in Bear Bones, he's an old friend of mine. He found himself without a band as well. And he said, Hey, I'm going to, I've written this song. I'm going to go record it. Do you maybe want to come sing on it and say, try your voice out and whatever. And, uh, we went and we recorded the song and 
we were kind of really both impressed with how it sounded and thought, fuck, let's make a band out of this. Like, because <laughs> it initially had just started as this one song that he'd written and just wanted to record, see how it sounded, not really thinking anything was going to come from it. And here we are for five years later. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, is he different from a musical influence standpoint? Because a very exciting thing about Bare Bones is you can't pinpoint your sound in a particular way. So Yeah, exactly. Is, is that something you guys set out to do, just kind of like let's just be whatever we want to be, or is it like, all right, we're going to do this song a bit this way, that song a bit that way? How's the no, it's, process? It's always been we're just going to do what we want to do. Um, the conversation that JD and I, I had sort of had around this song was like, like JD's whole point of view on writing was he just wanted to write something that he thought was cool that he wanted to listen to that no one else was really making and it wasn't a a particular style or vibe or set of influences it was just what what came natural um obviously like we grew up on a lot of the same shit we grew up on metal and punk and hardcore and classic rock and roll and all, all those influences that i suppose make up bare bones but Nothing at this point was really discussed in terms of, like, a sound. You know, he didn't even really ask me, like, are you going to sing? Are you going to scream or, or anything? It was just, let's collaborate on this song and see what comes from it. And it was totally just a vibe uh, for, from the get-go. Like, we both kind of just knew where each other stood and and where we wanted to go with it without having a defined conversation if that makes sense it was just very much vibe driven natural and i think yeah i think that ep the was that song did that song appear on the first ep villains yeah so that song's called the new breed ah yes and, okay and and that's on villains the, the ep yeah that was the first song song that we ever wrote and that was before anyone else was even in the band um chris our drummer He's a, a really great uh, audio engineer and producer. Um, and we recorded that song with him because he's an old friend of ours. And uh, we recorded another song after that. And then he joined the band and was like, let's, you know, let's produce and engineer an EP here. And we did. Um, and yeah, it all just came from, from, JD sending me a message one day saying, I've got this song. Do you want to collaborate on it? And it all went from there. Now, that EP gained quite a bit of attention um, for you guys straight out of the gates. In 2013, I believe it was released. Now, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Did you guys notice the swell of attention that was gathering for, for Bare Bones? Did you notice that, okay, I think we're on to something here? I think so, yeah. Like, it was a little bit difficult at first for us to find our place and within the, the scene in Sydney that was happening at the time. Um, you know, we were kind of playing with, like, a lot heavier metal bands or, or sort of straight-up hardcore bands, and then we'd kind of fall somewhere in between all of that shit and kind of just doing this thing that I guess no one really in Australia at least was doing at the time. Um, so we, we were well received 
in terms of, of people dug the song online and, and we were getting these reviews on the EP that were coming in of people really digging it. And we started to get uh, a following. Like we started to see, you know, the same people coming to shows and it was swelling a little bit, but it was still during a time where we were very much playing with bands that we, we, we didn't really fit with or gel with or have the same kind of ethos and, and, and vibe as. So it took us a little bit of time to find the sorts of bands that, that we enjoyed playing with and the sorts of shows that we enjoyed playing with. But once we figured that out, it all started to come to, together. Uh, there was a club in Sydney at the time called Wasted Years. Oh, yep, yep. Um, and... Uh, also Frankie's Pizza by The Slice. Um, those two places became our home uh, and the, the, where we kind of cut our teeth and Bare Bones developed, like, I suppose a little bit of a reputation for, for a live show. Um, yeah, you guys became known as a party band or you're known yeah. as a party band. I, mean, that's um, not, I don't think that's a negative phrase at all, to be honest. No, 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 not at all. Like, that's definitely, we want to have a good time ourselves and we most importantly want the people coming to check us out to have a good time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that when, once we released the Villains EP and we found Waste Years and Frankies to kind of be our home turf to, to hone our craft, we started to feel the, the, the swell and that's when the, the bigger shows started to, to happen. Um, you know, the getting offered to, to support bigger bands and that kind of thing started to come off the back of, I guess, developing that reputation for a kick-ass live show at those venues and then having the EP out online for people to check out um, and having, you know, things like Kill Your Stereo and uh, all those sorts of online zines, Blunt Mag and that kind of thing, um, giving the band some attention. But it was completely, like, uh, I guess, surprising to us because at this point, in time, even when we'd released Villains, like the band was still very much uh, let's write songs that we want to hear and let's just put it out into the world and see what happens. Like we weren't setting out to take over the world or be a, a touring band or anything like that at the time. It was very organic and natural and just us kind of playing what we wanted to do and not really caring about whether or not people were into it or people didn't like it or anything. It was very much our own and, and for us. So did that change going into the second EP, Cutthroat Living? Because that wasn't uh, that wasn't long after Villains, you guys dropped another EP. I think it was two years to the day. Okay. It was, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Or it might have been a year. Uh, I, yeah, dude, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. It's all kind of a blur <laughs> now. I know that they were released on the same day um, in August. I just can't remember. It might, actually might have been. Uh, a year, only a year apart. So yeah, you're right. Not not too long. Um, I guess all that changed for us was we started to to get these, you know, kind of cool supports coming in um, a little bit, playing show uh, our own shows and having uh, more people show up and having to to reprint merch because we were starting to get rid of our merch and stuff like that. Um, plus we had sort of developed by this point, like a, a defined lineup. Um, so we've got kind of the lineup that we have now by this point in time. And we were just kind of gelling. Um, I feel like we were writing, we were still writing completely for ourselves and completely music that we wanted to hear, but 
I feel like our riding improved and everyone just kind of was like, okay, I think that, you know, we've, we've got something here that we really love and that other people are connecting with. Let's, let's fucking keep doing it. Let's, let's ramp it up a little bit. And so we did our first tour off the back, like pretty much straight away when we released that AP, which is supporting a band from the UK called Heights. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like we, we started to play uh, a few more international supports off the back of that EP um, and gain a little bit more of a following outside of Sydney, I suppose. Um, and that's when we, we started, uh, you know, writing for, for the album Bad Habits that, that came out last year. Um, that was kind of like two and a half years in the making, I suppose, of us doing cutthroat living and then going on the road a little bit and starting to jam some new songs together. Um, I remember that we released White Knuckles, Black Tar um, off the album back in like 2015 towards the end of. Um, so there was kind of a long time between drinks, between cutthroat and bad habits because almost unexpectedly we'd been able to do all these really cool shows and tours that we we hadn't otherwise thought were possible things like sound wave and opening for every time i die and, and and these kinds of things so we were able to sort of like run with that ep for, for nearly two two and a bit years now that now you've kind of naturally brought us to bad habits now you said it took a while to record did you did you feel because as you were saying at the start you know there wasn't a solid lineup you know you weren't really thinking of this is going to be a touring thing this isn't really going to be without it sounding bad but serious in a way yeah um, yeah like in a way we were always just having fun like, catching up to our own momentum um a little bit in the beginning because mm. we yeah like you said we weren't expecting anything to come of it and then when it did um we just had to, to run with it kind of thing so was there an expectation and a level of pressure put on yourselves for bad habits uh not really um we had just kind of done it the way that we'd always done it we recorded it with chris um and, and we, we spent a little bit more time on, on doing things like pre-production, which we'd never done before. Um, but the recording side of it didn't take that long. The, the writing side took a little bit longer just because we were super busy with, with playing shows and obviously everybody having other things going on in their lives. Um, all the time that, that we, we had to dedicate to Bare Bones was really taken off by rehearsing and, and then performing. So... It just took a, a little while to, to, to get to a point where we had enough time to really focus on, on writing some new songs, but definitely nothing changed and, and no real pressure was put on for the actual uh, recording or writing of the songs. We just had the same kind of vibe and, and uh, idea that we always had of just writing sick shit that we really were, we were really proud of and just just putting our, our stamp on it, making it sound like us and whatever that means, you know, not really setting any limitations or anything like that. And just, it was, I must say like the recording process was, I don't think you could get much more relaxed than what we had. Like (laughs) Chris and I would go to the beach, um, in the morning and then head to the studio at lunchtime to start doing vocals. So (laughs) it was, it was pretty chill. Um, we, we just took our time with it and, as well, 
during the, the, the period between Cutthroat Living and Bad Habits, um, we had Graham from Resist Records come on board. Um, mm. So there was, you know, just getting everything ready with the label and having things like vinyl, which we had no idea. Like Graham said, if you want to do vinyl for the record, and we were stoked. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, it takes three months to press, you know, however many vinyl we were getting done. And we're like, shit, we had no idea, you know? <laughs> so those sorts of things, like, delay the release and delay the release, but they're all positives, you know? They're not negatives. They're, they're, they're definitely positive things, but... And yeah, it just took. It's not just vinyl; it's pink vinyl. Exactly. That's <laughs> sick. It's fucking. It's pink you gotta, vinyl. You got to wait extra time for hot <laughs> pink vinyl. Oh yeah, um, worth it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there was like you know there was little things that that delayed it, but nothing negative and no, and no real outside or internal pressures that caused that. That album, um, Bad Habits, absolutely slams. the The reception you guys got would have. Um, did it shock you? Because you, like you said, you guys were just doing what you do, no pressure. Yeah. That that album, I've got to say, I mean, being a fan since the villain days, and then suddenly people that said they didn't even know who you were were suddenly going, "Oh, have you checked out Bare Bones?" It's like, yeah, I told you about them four years ago. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, first of all, thank you very much, man. That means a lot. Um, Oh, I've got, it's cool I've still to know got, that there are people that are still that have been around since those EP days. You I've know? still so, got the bottle opener in my wallet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing, man. Um, for us, like we were, we had sort of had the album in our back pockets for a little while while we were waiting for things like vinyl and, and all that to come through. So I think we were just you know like chanting at the bit to to get it out. Um, so we really wanted to, to, to just have people hear it. And when we got the reception that we did and people seemed to really love it, like it was getting lots of really good reviews and a bit of airplay on Triple J and all, all the comments online and everything were was super positive. It was just like the icing on top of the cake for us. Um, we were super fucking proud of the album and to have that kind of just response and support from, from both like, the media and from the people just listening and the general public was, was so positive that it was just sort of like the, yeah, like I said, the icing on the cake for us. And then to be offered things like that, that stone sour arena tour straight after the album comes out and then follow that up with the Bronx and rise again. So it's just like a, a, another, you know, kind of like a, a trophy for us and like a, another just, completely like cathartic release of like okay well, we're doing something that we fucking love and that other people love like that's just pretty much all you can ask for your supports seem to as you're saying they're getting bigger and bigger i mean you've done stone sour you recently did rise against um yeah <laughs> like, which was somehow bigger i don't know i didn't think it could get bigger but it was it was somehow bigger yeah uh how do you guys so, approach those shows? Being, you know, just some punk rock hardcore kids from Sydney. How do you approach yeah. how do you approach that new settings of being in a stadium? Man, I feel so fucking at home up there. I can't even tell you. I don't know why or how, and I think it's the same for all the guys. Um I think we just don't put any unnecessary pressure on ourselves. It's all it is, is a bigger platform to go out and do what we do, which is play these songs that we love and have 
a fuckload of fun doing it. Um, the response that we received on both of those tours, the Stone Sour tour and the Rise Against tour, and like you said, arenas or some of those shows on the Rise Against tours were in sports stadiums. Um, to have that many people like just being giving you their energy and their attention, it's like unbelievably inspiring and empowering to be up there. Um, I love playing shows. We all love playing shows, and those shows are just an honor and a privilege and something that I don't think any of us ever thought we'd be doing. So we are going to give it absolutely everything and make sure that we have as much fun as possible while doing it, because you can see the, the, the looks on some bands faces when they're in there off there. They're living or dying by how well they're playing these notes of these songs or, or how locked into a click they are. It's like, that's, that's great. You want to play as good as you possibly can. And we, and we do, we put as much effort into playing tight as we can, but we've got to have a good time doing it. There's not that many people that can say that they get to do these size tours that we're doing. So we're going to and put on a show for people. And it's, yeah, it's unbelievable the response that we got on those tours. It feels, it feels definitely probably feels gratifying gratifying in a way because yeah absolutely man you guys are and i say this in a very honest way you're one of the few bands i think not only with your style but your you guys seem to have a very diy um etiquette if that makes sense you guys seem to grind away at it um does that mean now that you you're definitely not going to settle on your laurels you're just going to keep pushing yeah, 100%, man. Like, we've already started writing for the next album um, and demoing a few songs for that, and that's coming along really, really well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nothing's going to change for us. We're, we're going to approach this album to write the best songs that we can write and staying true to, to what we what we love. If shit changes, it's because it's it's what we want to change and, and not because it's what we think is going to advance our career or anything like that. We're so lucky to have somebody like Graham who just supports what we do. And there's no pressure from a label. There's no, you know, input stylistically from a label. We're just doing exactly what we've always done. I guess we just have a little bit of a bigger platform to be able to do that on now and add a few more heads to, to hear our shit, which is, unbelievable so i think we're just at a point where we're, we're, we're so stoked we just really want to put out another kick-ass album and keep going keep touring and and see where it takes us now speaking of graham how did the resist records kind of connection come up did he approach you guys or did you yeah, approach him so, um i'm horrible with with my timeline man but <laughs> we supported every time i die off the back of that second ep um yeah We've played with them a few times now, which is really cool. But the first time, uh, they toured with a band called Touche Amore. Um, oh, yeah, that was, at, was that 2016? Might have been? Might have been, yeah. yeah. Might yeah. have been the start of 2016, yeah. I think, or something like that. Um, and Graham was the promoter for that for that tour. We just brought those bands out. So Graham um, asked us to support and kind of... Like I guess watched us at the show, liked what he saw, and he'd already liked what he'd heard. So he, he got in touch with us, um, started talking in terms of uh, where we were at with our next release. Um, we kind of indicated that we were wanting to do a full-length album. Um, and he was just 
super interested in working with the band. We kind of kept in touch with him. And then when we had demos ready for the album, um, he had a, a listen to some of them and he was on board and we just went from there. It was no like, you know, there wasn't any kind of like big business meetings or anything like that. He's just a, a friend. We sit down and have dinner with him and talk about the band. Like he's a, you know, another member of the band really. Um, and yeah, he's just been on board since then. Um, he's very open to helping us with anything that we want to do. And he's, uh, he's like as cool a person as you could ask for in, in terms of a, of a label manager. He's a unbelievably humble and full of knowledge and just uh, a complete legend. So we're, we're stoked to be working with him. Yeah. You found the perfect relationship there. Um, now, last thing I want to ask about bad habits in particular is yeah. your lyrics, your lyrical, yeah, your lyrical theme. It's really, um, and I don't mean, I mean it as a compliment, but it, it reminds me a lot of um, Keith of Every Time I Die. It's Oh, thank you. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. It's introspective, but then it's um, a bit off the wall and different. Where do you find your inspiration for your lyrics? Um, I, I've just always written lyrics, like going back to when I first started playing guitar, it's just something that I've, I've always done. It's a, a relief definitely for me. Um, I'm a super talkative person, but I suppose I, I find it hard to, to open up about kind of more uh, deep personal things. And I've always found that writing is, is my way to do that. Um, I've also like, I've always just studied other bands lyrics and, and, and it's always gone a little bit deeper to me than just remembering the words to a song. Like I, I've, I always remember reading the liner notes of CDs to try and find more meaning. If that makes sense. I wanted to, I wanted an explanation or I wanted some, something else. To, to help me understand it. And it's just something that's always stuck with me. Um, I don't think I'd be capable of writing something that just fits the song and has the right amount of syllables and is catchy. Uh, it's kind of got to be a bit more to, than that for me. Um, I, I think a lot of the, the inspiration just comes from, from day to day life shit. Um, dealing with 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 every everything that everybody else deals with um i guess the the other thing where a lot of the ep and bad habits came from me was like health problems that i've had too um okay going back to 2014 uh, i had cancer Ooh. um which is okay. a, a pretty heavy thing to go through um Shit. obviously i'm all all fine now <laughs> but uh yeah, I think that definitely shaped a few of the few of the songs on the record in terms of, uh, of lyrical content. Um, watching people that that I'm close with and know deal with things like uh, really nasty addiction, um, mm. and uh, you know, being a, a little bit of a victim of that myself over the years. Um, is it, is, I think that's something that definitely plays into a lot of the lyrics on the record and, and just something that I've, I suppose, 
dealt with um, a fair bit uh, over the last few years. So it's it's sort of made its way into to the album as well. And it, just trying to to figure those things out and, and to write those things down in a uh, not intentionally, but in a non-linear way, like you said, a little bit off the wall and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it's it's really easy to write down. Uh, I'm angry, and here's why. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's a little bit uh, of a challenge for me, in in a way to to articulate what it is that I'm feeling or what it is that I'm witnessing other people feel, and put those into something that even challenges myself to to make sense of and i don't mean as in like does this make sense but writing a lot of the time i'll write things that will just come out of me and then i've got to make sense of what i've written down and and figure out like where does this where does this come from why does this particular phrase or line or whole verse why is it stuck in my head and why can't i why, why do i need to get it out so a lot of it is just shit that comes out of me, and then I've got to figure out what what the fuck is this about. So yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a crazy process, um, but it's something that's very cathartic for me. <laughs> but yeah, you can hear it on on all your lyrics and shit. Is what what kind of? I mean, I don't want you to go into it. But what cancer did you have? That's horrible news. Uh, Sorry to hear. Oh, thank you. Man. Oh. I, I actually had uh, testicular cancer. Oh, brother. Yeah, uh, so um, you know, like in in terms of for a male, one of one of the better cancers to get, um, one of the more high survival rates and that kind of thing. But a pretty grueling and traumatic experience to go through, uh, nonetheless. So it's also way more common than people realise. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Mm. And that's like that's kind of why I, I, I like to talk about it. Is it's mm. it, it is really simple. Like just check yourself out and. Go to the doctors if you notice something uh, that's kind of not 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 regular. Because yeah, like you said, it's I know three or four other people in my life that that have gone through the same thing. So this it's it's really fucking common. Fuck at least at least you caught it when you did, man. At least you caught it when yeah, you did. yeah, man. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've got some songs to tell the tale. Well, if there is <laughs> on that that bad habit, you can hear it. Um, I just want to ask a couple of bands um, that currently inspire you or um, you dig. Um, now, I've got yeah. to ask, first thing, do you like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster? I love Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought, thought you did um, then. I hear it sometimes. Yeah. I hear it occasionally. Not like as in like, oh, my God, that's a Maylene riff, but I hear it yeah, yeah. In, that, in Bare Bones. But what currently do you go, do you gravitate towards musically? In terms of like, like, uh, what am I currently into or current bands? Um, both. Like, what are you? Yeah, what are you drawn sure. to? Um, in terms of, of the, the newer bands that are coming out, um, that I I really dig and that, that inspire me. Um, Power Trip, oh, a band yeah. from the states that I fucking love, and Nightmare yeah. Logic that they put out last year, I think, is one of the best. Like, pure just knuckle dragon metal albums i've heard in a long time um killer album i think as well i'd connect with their their attitude of wanting to do something that's completely real but not play to what's 
uh, kind of trendy or cool right now. Um, I really, I really dig that. Uh, as well for me, I really dig a band out of Canada. It's much more fun. Uh, a band called Monster Truck. Oh um, yes, oh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They just write really fun rock and roll songs to get drunk to. Um, uh, I think they're great. They're really great melodies and have really cool guitarists and just kind of, again, not really playing to what's what's trendy or cool, just writing badass rock songs. Um, in terms of the stuff that I've been listening to that's kind of influencing me as, as a songwriter and as a vocalist is uh, I've just been going back through a lot of a, a lot of older shit, man. Um, I'm really really digging corrosion of conformity at the moment. Oh, nice. Um, yep. And a lot of that New Orleans metal, uh, obviously down. Um, yeah, down and COC are big ones. Um, Monster Magnet, who like, Ooh. I think are, are geniuses in terms of, of just hard rock songwriting. Um, been listening to to a lot of their stuff, and then I I've just been digging this the shit that I always dig. Mike Patton's probably my all time favorite vocalist. Been listening to a lot of, a lot of Faith No More. Uh, a dude that, that influenced me in a in a big way early on in our career, like especially on the villain side of things, is uh, Zach De La Roca from Rage oh, Against yeah. the Machine, and I've been listening to a, a hell of a lot of, of of rage and getting a lot more kind of back to my roots with that of getting aggressive and angry. <laughs> so that's that's helping. Um, but yeah, man, like. Uh, all sorts of shit, really. Uh, like, there's, there's so much stuff that I listen to and, and and get influenced by. I'm lucky enough to work in a live music venue. Um, you work at that, Frankie's, don't you? I, I do work at Frankie's, yeah. yeah. So I, I hear shit-hot music all night long, seven days a week, <laughs> um, either through live bands or, or the stuff that's on, on our playlist. And I've discovered countless both modern and old bands through work in there that have have totally influenced me as well. Like I think my voice is, is sort of I've found my sound but it's something that's ever evolving as well. And I don't really I don't want to say I don't have control over it, but I don't I don't have conscious control over it if that makes sense. It's something that I think the music that I'm listening to and the shit I'm going through in my life sort of shapes the, the way that it sounds, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, that sounds perfectly. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, last question before we get to some um, pick your poison stuff. You've kind of yeah, already dude. touched on it. What's ahead for the Bare Bones boys? Like, what's on the horizon? Writing new music, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, we just announced our headline tour. Yeah, with Maverick. First, yep. Our first headline tour off the back of Bad Habits. So, we're really, we're really excited to get out after doing these cool tours that we've done over the last sort of eight months. Um, and get out and do some hot and sweaty headline shows. So nice, nice. Um, we're hitting Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney all in this month. Uh, this this month of March, um, we're continuing to write new songs and to work towards a, a new album. Um, at the moment, we're chatting to a few producers about who we're going to work with to produce the next record. It's the first time that we're going to go with somebody outside of the band so Ooh. something exciting and interesting for us um 
we we've always put a lot a lot of like uh, pride in in the artwork. That's something that's super important to me. So um, just coming up with with artwork for the next album and just really dividing our time between this tour coming up and then writing for the next release. Um, I don't think that we feel as if there's any rush to put out another record after Bad Habits, but it's just something that we love doing. We love the process of writing and recording music, and it's something that we want to get back into as, as soon as possible. So keep hammering out writing, keep hammering out these demos, and then I think before you know it, we're going to have a new record on the way. So Yeah, fuck yeah. So maybe sometime next year. Maybe. I would say, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 2019, yeah. another record. Yeah, sick. Now... We wrap things up with a segment called Pick Your Poison. And basically, we're going to delve into Tom's mind and try and see what he prefers if he's only given two options. Okay. Sick. Okay. Sounds fun, dude. Let's do All it. All right. Number one, it is burger or pizza? Burger. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Love it. My Straight boss is going to hate me for saying that because I work <laughs> at a fucking pizza place. But yeah, burger. <laughs> Chicken or beef? Ooh. I'm going to go chicken. Nice, nice. Cinema or on the couch? You know what? I'm going to go with uh, cinema because it's, I feel like it's like it's vinyl di- records or something <laughs> these days. It's, I was about to say it's, it's a dying extinct. art. <laughs> yeah. Cat or dog? Dog. Yeah. Um, Terminator or Predator? Ooh. I'm going to go Terminator because Arnie's, yeah, Arnie's Arnie, dude. Well, is that, but, I mean, that means the next one, it, you might you already have the answer then. Sly okay. or Arnie? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, i got to go Arnie. I love Sly, go, though. <laughs> All right. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Yeah, you guys even did that. Star Wars song, didn't you? Like dress yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did uh, that Blunt Mag uh, Star Wars tribute live performance thing. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was sick. Um, Slayer or Pantera? <laughs> Pantera, baby. Yeah, nice, Pantera. nice. Good answer. Uh, mosh pit or up the back, enjoying the view. Uh, my. Getting close to 30 years old wants to say up the back, but I think I'd be a hypocrite not to say the mosh pit, dude. <laughs> well, smart answer, smart answer. Metallica or Akadaka? Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even wait for me to finish. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, man, yeah, even, even, even in that scenario, like they're pretty much the, the, the two bands that, I would have to say them over anyone else. And then when it came down to ACDC and Metallica, I'd have to pick Metallica. Nice. Um, yeah. ACDC started it all for me and I still listen to them and I'm not shitting you every fucking day of my life. Um, but Metallica is the, 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 the biggest one for me. Um, I think okay. James Hetfield is easily like... Uh, Mike Patton is my favorite pure vocalist, but James is my favorite musician and songwriter um, of all time, without a doubt. And Metallica are my favorite band, so I've got to go with them. I'm sorry, ACDC, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so you've only got a couple left, so hopefully they're, they're a bit easier here. The beach or the snow? The beach, nice. definitely. Grew up on the beach, so. Vinyl or CD? 
Vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Last one, touring or recording? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a hard one. i got to go touring. Um, yeah, yeah, touring for sure. You, you, the, the pop that you get from an audience and, and the, the feeling that you get on stage is, is definitely unrivaled, man. So. No, sick. Now, before I let you go, um, of course, everyone listening, Bare Bones have two EPs, Villains and Cutthroat Living. They've also got a full-length album, Bad Habits. I know you can get Bad Habits at JB Hi-Fi if you like the physical stuff. If you want the digital stuff, all of those are available on iTunes, Bandcamp, Spotify. Get the boys stuff, download it, support your Aussie boys, support the bands before they become the big bands. Thank you, Tom. Dude, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. So that was my chat with Tom of Bare Bones. Thanks to the man for taking time out of his busy schedule to have a chat to the Mosh Zone. Really appreciated it. Great chat. Great little insight into all about the man himself, but also about the band and where they're headed. Big things are going to happen for this band. So if you haven't quite heard their stuff yet, get onto it. Get behind it. And that is the show for this week. We are done and dusted with episode 8. Hope you liked the show. I loved the show. It was a lot of fun. We've got some big guests coming up over the next few weeks. Some big episodes. As always, get in touch through email, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Of course, get in touch. Send us an inbox. Send us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All of those are at themoshzone. Get in touch. Let's grow this Mosh Zone community. We also really would like to start doing a question segment on the show. So that means you need to get involved. Send us some questions. Ask us anything you'd like. Let's open up some dialogue on this show. Because as we keep saying, we want to grow this Mosh Zone community. We want this show to be as much about you as it is about us and the music we feature. Thank you for tuning in. As always, like, subscribe, download, and of course, share the show with your friends. Let's spread the word of the Mosh Zone. Stay safe, enjoy your week, and we will be back next week with a bigger show, Episode 9. Thank you. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Open the bridge.